Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast, where we discuss everything and anything about running an online store. If you like the podcast, sign up for the mailing list to get news and updates at buildmyonlinestore.com. And now, here's your host, Terry Lynn. Welcome to episode 75 of the Build My Online Store podcast. I'm your host, Terry, and this week is part three of our three-part Amazon series where we're going to talk about Amazon fulfillment and choosing a 3PL with Bill D'Alessandro from rebelceo.com. In case you missed part one and part two, make sure you check them out on the website. Part one was about getting started on Amazon, just finding products and learning how the whole ecosystem works. And part two was Amazon SEO, kind of some of the on-site optimizations and private labeling your own things and how to get uh, your products listed on Amazon. Okay, and before we get into this week's episode, some updates on my side. I am in the final pre-production samples for my wallets over at uh, Baller Leather, and so I'm going to launch with five SKUs, and the next step, once I get them, probably next week, is to get product photography taken. So I've actually got a old DSLR on the way from Amazon. I also bought a light tent for, I think, about $25, and so I'm going to try this in-house because I can't really afford to hire a photographer every time. When I was shopping around, uh, the price range was about $500 to $1,000 for 50 product photos and this includes uh, taking your product on a white background photo and photoshopping it, getting the lighting correct, all the white balance stuff and so you know for me if I needed to change this all the time I just this is just not part of my budget and so I figured uh, you know why not I'll just get an old DSLR for about you know 300 bucks and then I'll just figure this out myself and there's a lot of blogs online that tell you how to make your DIY lighting kits, uh, kind of some tutorials on how to set up the lighting and what you can do on different budgets so that's what I'm going to take a shot with and worst case you know if it sucks I'll just pay a photographer to do it the right way. And before get into this week's episode, one thing I wish I had starting out was an opportunity to work under someone else's e-commerce business, uh, just to learn what's working and what doesn't from someone who's already been in the game for maybe five plus years. And because when you're doing things on your own, you invest a lot of time, money, and energy just trying to trial and error things, maybe making mistakes here and there, spinning your wheels, trying to figure things out. And I think when you can have an apprenticeship under someone else, uh, you can really jumpstart kind of your knowledge and your career within e-commerce that you can utilize, leverage later on to your own store. And so today I actually have one of these opportunities to share with you guys. Uh, my friend over at gypsyceo.com, uh, Greg, he's been running an e-commerce business out of the UK for the past nine years, uh, but he's actually been doing it location independent. So he lives in Chiang Mai right now. I met him earlier in October, but he's also ran this business out of Singapore, uh, Hong Kong, Bali, Ireland, in Vancouver and it's really a classic lifestyle business that everyone wants you know kind of like the four hour work week you can live anywhere in the world and he's looking for an apprentice to help him with marketing and just kind of to list off some criteria he's looking for he's looking for a native English speaker to help with marketing of their health and leisure products so this includes uh, some SEO content writing a little bit of copywriting uh, some customer service you know admin tasks and also joining him on the business strategy meetings. And so basically from my understanding is that you'll be the right hand man under his wing. Uh, he'll fly you one way to Chiang Mai, Thailand for the first six months to learn under him. And after that, you can move anywhere you want uh, as long as you're still a valuable part of the team. Uh, you know, it works out both sides. You guys can just live anywhere you want. And so he'll also give you a co-working membership space over in Chiang Mai called Pun Space. It's a pretty cool office space. A lot of DCers work out there and a lot of internet entrepreneurs uh, like Johnny FD from episode I think 72, he's out there. And so Greg will be paying you a thousand bucks a month just to start off first uh, over out in Chiang Mai. As you heard a previous episode with Johnny, you can easily live there for 600 bucks. And so who is this ideal for? I think this is for someone maybe in their mid twenties. They've had maybe a few years of work experience. You know, they know the business world a little bit, but they want to get into e-commerce, but aren't sure 
where to start. And they also need to have some degree of location flexibility in terms of, you know, you're willing to sell your car, change your life, and move out there to Thailand for six, seven months at a time. And so uh, definitely take a look. I'll link this up over at buildmyonlinestore.com slash apprentice. Uh, Greg is looking to hire this person by January 14th, 2014. So if you're looking to change your life in the new year, you want to get into e-commerce, uh, go ahead, uh, tell Greg I sent you um, his way and uh, yeah, submit an application. All right, with that being said, uh, let's just get into this week's episode. Welcome to the show today. Today I've got Bill D'Alessandro from Element Brands and today we're going to talk about fulfillment with Amazon and some other 3PLs. So Bill, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, for those who may not know who you are, uh, who are you and what do you do? So my name is Bill D'Alessandro. I am the CEO of Elements Brands. Uh, Elements Brands is, I kind of refer to it as one part Procter & Gamble, one part 4-Hour Workweek. My company I started three and a half years ago with a single uh, one product and has since grown. We now have three different brands, about 50 different SKUs, um, most of which are skincare products and hair care products, which is a kind of a weird niche, I know, and not, not a niche that I thought I would end up in, but uh, my first product was a skincare product, and uh, it sort of snowballed from there, uh, but I'm in the process of taking one of these brands into Whole Foods, uh, hopefully in early 2014, and then also one of the brands uh, into a big chain of ski shops. And I understand the first one was called uh, KP Elements, I think? Yeah, the first one was called KP Elements. It was a skincare product, or still is a skincare product, uh, to treat a skin condition called keratosis pilaris, which is, uh, if you've ever seen people with red bumps on their upper arms, on their thighs, that affects 50% of adults. Uh, purely cosmetic, kind of looks like a little bit of acne, um, but it's not acne. The short story is I had it, and I was Googling for about 30 minutes have how to you know how I fix this? What is it? And I realized that no one had tried to sell me anything for about thirty minutes. And I went, well. And then I saw that it affected fifty percent of adults. And I said, I need to learn how to make skincare products. This is right after I'd read the Four Hour Work Week and I was looking for a product. Yeah, yeah. awesome. All right, so uh, we're not going to get into the story of the whole business because we want to focus on the fulfillment side. And I know you've done other podcasts that talk about it, so I'll uh, link to those definitely too on a couple others. So uh, when you first started shipping these products were you doing it out of your house or how did that work out uh yes so i have done it out of my house on two separate occasions so when i started kp elements uh i had an outsource manufacturer do it in california uh and i had them ship essentially a pallet of four ounce jars of skincare product to my apartment uh, which was a huge mistake um, so and this was at the time i was working another job so i would come home and I would have to sprint to package everything up and make it to the post office. Um, and I, so I was going to the post office every day and it was just torture. Very shortly after about a month of that, uh, I just Googled Denver fulfillment. Uh, and I found a mom and pop shop kind of out by the airport around here. <laughs> Basically, they came and got it. We trucked the pallet over to their warehouse. And then I would send them a, a CSV file every day of the day's orders and then they would send me back a CSV file uh, of tracking numbers. And so how, how many orders were you moving kind of on your own before you moved to a fulfillment center? Were like 20, 30 a week or like what kind of scale are we yeah, looking at? It was, about, it was about two to three a day and that was enough to make it miserable. I mean, honestly, it didn't matter. Like one a day would have been miserable because I would still have to go to the post office. So I did that for not very long um, and then I moved to this mom and pop fulfillment house and they didn't have 
didn't have any automation. They didn't have, I mean, it was really just a bunch of minimum wage people that, that were putting things in boxes. It was a feat that they could check their email and get the CSV file for me. And I expect them to open the email, the Excel, and then like manually look at the order numbers and the addresses. Like so much room for error just looking at that possibility. Oh yeah, that stuff would go wrong. Like they would send me back, they would send me back a CSV of order numbers and tracking numbers. But then like every once in a while, it would be like row shifted by one. So everyone would get the wrong tracking number and then people would email me and they'd be like, uh, hey, I live in L.A., but this says my order was delivered to New Jersey. Um, and then I would and then I would figure out that I'd had this error and they would get their order, you know, a day later, but they would have the wrong tracking number that lasted for about six months. I mean, within a month, I knew I had to find something better, but it was even this was still better than doing it at my house. And then I found a company called Shipwire. For those who don't know, Shipwire is a venture-backed startup out in California, and they do outsource logistics, and their big strength is their API. They have a fantastic uh, API that you can code against. You send them orders via API. You can also log into their website and key them manually, uh, but that doesn't scale very well. Um, and then you pull your orders back, your tracking numbers back via API. You you can they're very programmable, and they have I think they have five to seven, probably even more than that by now, warehouses around the world. One in LA, which is the one I use. One in Philly, which I've used at times. One in Chicago, Hong Kong, in London. Um, I think they're opening one in Australia. They got a couple in Canada. Um, and the nice thing is you can just send it. Uh, if you send your inventory to LA and Chicago and Brazil, for example. Um, you just you don't have to specify when you send the order over to Shipwire which warehouse it goes out of. You just say, hey, send it to this address. And Shipwire does this magic where they figure out today, based on what the carrier rates are, they shop it around to UPS and FedEx and the Postal Service, and they say who can which warehouse is the cheapest and the closest. So you know if you're in San Francisco, it's probably going to go out of LA, uh, and then they'll pick the carrier that's the cheapest on that day. Uh, so you don't have to worry about any of that. You just send it. If you just send a pallet to Brazil, guess what? Now you're in Brazil. Uh, you just the Brazilian orders that previously were getting fulfilled out of LA via International Post suddenly will start getting fulfilled straight out of Brazil. Do they, are they actually just a software company? Do they actually own warehouses under their like balance sheet? Um, so I believe they are. Uh, they sublease the warehouses. Yeah. So Nate Nine is the CMO over at Shipwire. And I was one of the early Shipwire customers, and so Nate and I got to be pretty good buds. Yeah, so they have, uh, they kind of subcontract the warehouses and install software. Their secret sauce is the software and the process and all of that. So they're like leasing warehouse space. And so what do you think is the biggest value add for you using a 3PL like them? <laughs> the fact that I don't have to worry about it. I mean, if, if I'm on, uh, you know, if, if I'm on the Today Show tomorrow, and I get a thousand orders in a day, Shipwire doesn't even blink. They just, assuming I have the inventory in stock, they just get them out. Um, and it's, it's, and this is, you know, maybe less of a pro for Shipwire and more just a pro for general outsource fulfillment. Outsource fulfillment is great because you don't have to manage employees. Like if, and this sounds terrible, but if one of them gets hit by a bus, they just plug in another employee tomorrow and I don't have to worry about it. Uh, or if they get sick or, you know, pregnant or whatever, like, you just don't have this HR aspect to it. And I guess it's true for any outsource contractor. You just pay a company to perform a service uh, and you don't have to manage the individual employees, which I find pretty nice. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. And so, you know, it all sounds you know nice and handy dandy since we're just getting into this. So like, how do the fee structures with Shipwire work in your experience? Um, they're, they're actually not too bad. I will say Shipwire is a little bit more expensive than some other options. Um, but you get what you pay for. I mean, they're super reliable. They have fantastic software, 
great web interface. Um, I also work, so I, right now, I know we're going to get to FBA in a little while, uh, Amazon fulfillment, but I also do for one of my brands, I work with a private fulfillment company out of Missouri called fifth gear. Uh, and they have been really great. Shipwire is if you just need a large volume of orders cranked out, they're fantastic. Uh, but unless you have a ton of volume they're not great at like, Hey, I need you to use custom boxes or I need you to, you know, assemble this, like put it in a plastic Ziploc bag before you put it in the box. They're not good at custom process like that. It's just not in their model. Uh, it's not what they do. Um, so for one of my other brands, I needed, I needed some more assembly done. And so I, I use this fulfillment warehouse in Missouri to do that for me. Um, and then they fulfill it. Um, so I have one of my brands with Shipwire, one of them, and one of them in Missouri. Both are great. They're just different. So I, I can compare kind of prices between the two of them. Shipwire is a little bit pricier, uh, but it's just super automated. The, the cost works out to about, depending on what plan you get with Shipwire, about two bucks per order, roughly. Uh, and that cut maybe two to 50 per order, right, right in that ball, ballpark. And that covers them taking it off the shelf, putting it in a box, closing the box and putting a shipping label on it. And then you pay, and then they pass through the cost of shipping. Yeah. I understand with Shipwire, you need to put the label on the SKUs before you send it to them too, right? With like the ASNs and the shipping notices. So do you have your manufacturer, like you send them a bunch of labels and then they slap it on and then they send to Shipwire? Shipwire requires that the SKU be on the label. So if you have barcodes on your labels, that's great because then your SKU is your barcode and that's great. Um, if you don't have barcodes, like I didn't at first, I do now, but I didn't at first. So my one product was called KP Elements. Well, the product name was across the front of the label, so I just made KP Elements the SKU. So it just needs to, you just need to have unique SKUs and it has to appear somewhere on the label. That's how it was two years ago. I don't know if they started to require barcodes or not at Shipwire. Yeah, now they give you like a template to print on like those Avery labels and then you basically stick them on. But, you know, I, I don't, I, I didn't have any labels. I just print on paper and like, you know, cut it with scissors and taped it on. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, yes. I'm, just, I'm just testing it out. So I'm not going to like you know, go buy like 300 labels and start printing stuff. So. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, and this is a general tip for anyone considering outsource fulfillment. You're probably going to need barcodes on your stuff, whether it's on your label or whether it's a fix that your manufacturer and also, you know, most manufacturers will do that. If, if they're custom, custom making something for you, just say like, hey, I'm going to send you a bunch of labels. The last step is to slap one of these on everything you make. Because if you think about it, you can't just send Shipwire like you know five thousand basketballs and expect them to know it's five thousand. And like, how are they how are they going to count it, right? So. Right. Exactly. Um, and you know, also you kind of that made me think of the concept of cases and master cases and SKUs. Uh, that this isn't Shipwire specific, but they do handle this very well. You know, you have one widget, but your one widget might come in a twelve pack. And it's much better to send Shipwire 12 12 packs than 144 single units because you will be charged for receiving for every single unit. So they might charge you 10 cents to receive every single unit. So if you send them 144 individuals, you're going to be charged 14 bucks. But if you send them 12 12 packs, you'll only be charged you know, $1.20. And then what Shipwire do is what they call automatic breaks so they'll know you set up the relation in their system that skew 12 pack is 12 of the single skew and then you'll it'll look to you like you only have 12 of the single skew in stock and 11 case packs in stock 
and then they'll break them automatically as they need more singles. Oh, okay. So you need to tell them that you have 144 widgets. They would actually know 12 times 12 has X amount. Yeah, they know that, and then they break it automatically. And the other advantage to this is you now can sell cases. So, And Shipwire calls this lick and stick, which basically means it's already in a box. We just put a shipping label on it, it goes out. So if you do any big orders, you do any wholesale, uh, if you have things packed in cases, now it's just one pick because a case of 12 is just one skew. And you're, being pay- you're paying $2 per pick. Whereas if you had to say pick 12 and send them, now you're paying $24 to fulfill that order. But if you have them cased, then you can just say pick one case. So moving like one large box is the same as moving as one small box in terms of like how they define pick and pack, right? Exactly. So you get you get charged per pick. And when you're doing lick and stick, is this great for like people that have custom boxes that want to get them sent in that and then Shipbar just puts it a label on there? Uh, you could do that. Yeah, I actually never thought about using that to do custom boxes. But if, yeah, if you can get your manufacturer to build your case packs in custom boxes, then yes, you could just do lick and stick. Yeah, because I know some brands that have like, you know, that are very like, you know, kind of boutique. They want their own outside packaging with a logo on it. And kind of, I guess that's a good way to kind of outsource it like that. It's too. great. I actually just wrote a post on my blog, uh, rebelceo.com about that, about how to do your unboxing experience really well and custom boxes are a part of that yeah exactly like you look at the iphone 4 experience or just any apple product when you open it it's like i think I heard it's like the first thing they actually work on because you know like they test all these different box designs and like it really makes a huge impact when you just open something yeah i mean shipping is as an online store i mean macy's or any of these in-person stores have an advantage that you'll never have and that's that the customer can walk in and touch all the stuff and feel it and walk away with it and and there's they're in a store that's branded with banners and you know people they're interacting with they just have an immersive real world experience which you don't have as an online merchant so the the only thing you can do to touch your customer is the tactile unboxing the shipping experience is so important fulfillment comes into that you know ship it quickly ship it fast communicate their uh, their tracking number quickly and then when it arrives, I mean think about when you order something online like you order it You track it you wait by the door for the UPS guy like it finally comes you unwrap it like you're so excited It's there like make you have such an opportunity to delight people with an awesome unboxing experience And so, you know shipwire let's go back a little bit before we get off track So I, I'm getting the feeling that they're good for if you just have simple products that don't need to be assembled that just want to go out the door as soon as the order comes in. They don't want to do much customization or like moving stuff around, right? They don't like it if you have like 5,000 SKUs. You know, they like customers that do sub 100 SKUs. Uh, they'll, I, I hope I'm not speaking for <laughs> out of church shipwire here, but experience, they generally like people with less than 100 SKUs-ish. And they'll take you, if you ship one per week, they'll still take you. Uh, that's really the awesome part about shipwire is you'll run into a bunch of other fulfillment companies that won't even speak to you unless you're doing, you know, a hundred orders a week. Shipwire will take you at one order per week or less, which is really, really awesome of them. And now obviously, you know, your service level kind of scales with your volume, right? So if you have one order per week, you're just going to go through the wizard and send them your stuff. But if you have a thousand orders a week, that's when, and you know, I, I said Shipwire is inflexible, they get more flexible with volume. If you're doing a thousand orders a week, yeah, they'll do custom boxes for you. And so you were talking about how Shipwire, 
like in general, kind of 1,000 SKUs, 5,000 SKUs plus isn't very suitable. So is that why you kind of found Amazon or how did you get into that space? Uh, no, so I found Amazon. I don't have that many SKUs. I have 50 or 60 tops across all my brands. Um, but the reason I found Amazon is because my friend Mike McAdams, who runs drinkwell.com, um, it's a supplement company. He, he was using Fulfillment by Amazon. And I had not wanted to do it because, you know, it involved keeping inventory at Amazon and at Shipwire. So now I was trying to track two different inventory levels. And, you know, what if I ran out at Amazon Then I had to send it from Shipwire to Amazon? And, it, you know, there's a shipping expense there. And it just sounds like a big pain in the ass, frankly. Um, so I had been reluctant to do it. And my friend from Drinkwell, Mike, was just hammering on me. He was like, you got to do it. You got to do it because this the huge the huge benefit the one single reason to do fba is that you become prime eligible and i had underestimated how important that was uh you become not only prime shipping eligible which is for those of you that don't know amazon has their prime program you pay 79 dollars a year and you get free two-day shipping on anything anything that is fulfilled by amazon which is most things in the world um but uh and also Amazon has free shipping for anything over $35 now. They just bumped it from 25 to 35. And if you are on FBA, you're eligible for that too. So the way I'm set up now is I send stuff to FBA and FBA fulfills all my Amazon orders. All the orders through my own website are fulfilled through Shipwire. Because to get Amazon, if you have Amazon, they call it, a, uh, what do they call it? It's like multi-channel fulfillment, where which is where Amazon fulfills orders that don't come through Amazon. Uh, they charge you an extra dollar surcharge per order just to do it if the order didn't come through Amazon. And then they also send it in an Amazon branded box anyway. And then if you want them to do that, it's another dollar per order. So they want you to basically use the listings and FBA together. Yes. And, but let me tell you, it's a great freaking deal. I don't know why you wouldn't because, so I had listed on, so the way Amazon works, you can list on Amazon and not use fulfillment by Amazon. And so that's why you'll see on Amazon, you'll see, you know, fulfilled by Elements Brands or sold by Elements Brands, and you'll typically pay a shipping surcharge when that happens. Or you'll see eligible for free Super Saver shipping or Prime eligible, and that means it's fulfilled by Amazon. So you can list on Amazon and not do fulfillment by Amazon, but it typically puts you at a disadvantage. It makes people less likely to buy your stuff because they're having to buy shipping and this shipping is typically slower. Um, et cetera. And basically the way it works is they just buy on Amazon and Amazon sends you an email and says, Hey, here's the address, mail them one. Uh, and then you key the shipping, uh, the tracking number in Amazon when you do it. I understand the warehouse sometimes changes, right? Like, is it like algorithm based on the previous sales? Yeah. Yeah. So Amazon has a whole, I mean, obviously they're probably one of the most complicated logistics companies in the world. Uh, they, I don't even know how many warehouses they have, but um, so when you when you send to FBA, you go in and you do, there's like a wizard where you say, hey, I want to send you 500 units. And then what they do is they go, actually, okay, send 120 here, send 140 here, send 200 here, et cetera. Um, and they break it down. So like I've sent stuff, I know they have, just based on where they've asked me to send stuff, I know they have them in South Carolina, I send a lot to, Tennessee, Texas, Arizona, I think. Uh, I mean, there's probably like seven different ones that they've asked me to send them to. You don't ever see it in Amazon. Like once you send them to those places, you don't even know where it is. You just see an amalgamated number of how many you have with Amazon. It goes into the back vortex of their warehousing system. It does. Exactly. And then they just, 
And like, I don't know if maybe they have algorithms that they're reshuffling it between their own warehouses behind the scenes or or not. They basically try to do the allocation when you send them a product. So one point you brought up earlier with Shipwire was that even if you're sending one order a week, they'll still take you. Uh, is that ideal for Amazon too, if you're using FBA? Yeah, Amazon will take you at really low volumes as well. Um, again, you won't get to talk to a human. It'll all be, you know, go through the wizard, generate a shipping label, send it in, et cetera. Um, but yeah, they'll take you. But again, if you're going to do, if you're at that volume, don't do Amazon uh, because it could charge you an arm and a leg to do multi-channel fulfillment unless you're only selling on Amazon. Just to get everything right, your Amazon orders are listed on Amazon, fulfilled by Amazon, inventory goes straight there. And then on your dot-coms, on your big commerce or any other store, it goes through Shipwire. Exactly. Yeah. So my Amazon orders all live in their own little world. If you order on Amazon, you just Amazon, it's fulfilled by Amazon. And then Amazon basically... My only interaction with Amazon now is I they send me an email when I'm low and then they send me checks. So I send them, you know, a whole bunch of product and then people buy it on Amazon, Amazon fulfills it, they net out their fees and then they just send me a check. Nice. And your product is like your own brand, right? Like um, is there any a lot of competitors selling on Amazon too or There are no com- I mean you can't get it from anyone but me. It's my own brand. But I I don't want to end up off Fulfillment by Amazon before saying how awesome Fulfillment by Amazon is, even though it's expensive. Because I, I started off uh, Merchant Fulfilled on Amazon, so I was fulfilling all my Amazon orders from Shipwire, which can be easily done and automated. And Mike from Drinkwell was hammering on me, you gotta do FBA, you gotta do FBA, my sales increased like crazy. Uh, and I finally listened to him and I sent a case from Shipwire to FBA. My sales on Amazon tripled overnight. Before I did that, I was at like 15 to 20% of my total sales were on Amazon. Uh, now it's about half, now that I have FBA. Has Shipwire grown just at a slower rate or is it just because Amazon just dominated with all the traffic in the sales? Amazon just tripled overnight, essentially. When, as, soon as, as soon as I was Prime eligible, I was shocked at the, uh, the impact that free second day shipping, had, being Prime eligible, or even free Super Saver eligible had on buyer psychology. It was ama- It was like my conversion rate on Amazon tripled. Mm. And do you have free shipping on your site too, or? Yeah, it's in fact, my product is a dollar more expensive on Amazon. Free shipping on my website, uh, but people just eat it, eat it up on Amazon. I don't know if it's a trust thing, you know, they wanna use their Amazon account, their credit card is already saved. Uh, and I don't offer free two-day shipping, I offer free ground on my website. So if you're a Prime member, yeah, you buy it on Amazon, you get it in two days. And so fee-wise, how does Amazon compare with Shipwire? What are like the key differences that you see or we should be aware of? Amazon is really, they get really pissed off if you leave stuff in their warehouse forever. Um, like if you send them a whole bunch of stuff and it just doesn't move, they start charging you fees. Both Shipwire and Amazon charge you storage fees, but they're negligible. I mean, it's like 12 bucks a month for a pallet. Like it's not even real money. But Amazon then will start charging you extra fees if you don't move. Like if it's, if it's been sitting there for like six months, they'll double the storage fees or something. So because they don't want you just taking up space in their warehouse. So what do you do then if it's if you need to like throw it away or do you send it back to yourself? Or? You can send it back. You can tell them to destroy it. Or you, the key is just to supply them in a little bit closer to real time. Send them three months of inventory or six months of inventory at a time, not a year. Was, there was another Amazon sale that told me that when you get returns there, there, there's products that could be resold, but they're actually just kind of lazy and they choose to actually say, oh, we can't resell this because I guess there's a big operation. They don't want to go through that process. Is that kind of the case you found too? Yeah, but of course mine though, I mean, mine's a skincare product. Like if it's opened, it's not resellable. Um, so, but typically, and so this is also interesting, if you sell through Amazon and have 
and do FBA. Amazon also handles all of your customer service for Amazon orders. Um, so like if someone wants to return it, Amazon will just handle it for you. They like have them send it back to Amazon, they check it in, they provide their refund if necessary. And then, and it's actually kind of interesting, sometimes Amazon will provide uh, refunds to people that are even not in accordance with your refund policy. And if they ever do that, they just eat the refund and they credit you for it. Oh, really? So they won't actually, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I don't, when I said my only interaction with Amazon is I send them cases, they send me checks, I really meant it. Like I don't even get any customer service. I mean, occasionally I'll get like a question about the product that comes to you, but as far as like, hey, I didn't get my package or I want to return this for Amazon orders, Amazon handles all of it. If you do FBA and, and list on Amazon. I guess because they'd rather have the consistent Amazon experience than to nickel and dime you, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and the ship wire take returns too? Uh, they can uh, if you want them to, but then they charge you uh, two, two bucks to handle the return. Yeah. And I understand from them, you can also choose if you want to pay for the customer's return or just send them a label and have them pay for yep, it. Yeah, you can do that if you want. But I, I kind of am of the mind, okay, someone wants to return this this to me. How much is it really worth? Like, do I even really want it back? By the time I've paid for Shipwire to handle the return and the return shipping, it's probably cost more than the inventory cost me anyway. So I typically just tell people, hey, here's your money back, you can keep it. Plus all the pain in the ass to process the return. I'm just, I just say, hey, here's your money, don't call me again. You know, <laughs> stop bothering me. <laughs> Here's your money. So one thing with Amazon was that a lot of the products work through sales rank, right? Like kind of like if everyone's selling helicopters, there's like a certain ranking system that worked out. So when you started out with your own brand, you know, did you just start ranking up top or like were people actually searching for your product descriptions already or how did that work out? Um, yeah, well, so I'm, if you want to buy it, buy my product, you can only buy it from me on Amazon. I'm, I can't really speak to a lot of the, you know, how do you do SEO for Amazon? How do you compete with other sellers on Amazon? Although I will tell you, I, if you are prime eligible, it helps you win that buy box. Folks like Shipwire and other people in the film industry hate Amazon for this because it's kind of like an unfair way that they compete for fulfillment business. And I don't think this has ever been proven, but the rumor is, which I, it seems to be corroborated by my sales tripling as soon as I went with FBA, that Amazon prioritizes listings that use FBA in search because they're gonna get the commission revenue, but then also the fulfillment revenue. So all of the things being equal, they'd rather the seller that's using FBA make the sale because then they get the incremental fulfillment revenue also. And they can also shut down other three PLs by being more competitive in this range by boosting your sales to the stratosphere. Right? Exactly. So Amazon, if you use FBA, not only will it make your products show up higher in search on Amazon, it will also increase your chances of winning the buy box if you're selling, you know, something generic. Yeah, and I think the one thing too is that if you have your own brand, you basically get 100% of that buy box percentage rather than 20 people selling the same helicopter. Yeah, and that's why I mean that's my whole my whole business philosophy is to own my own brand for exactly that reason. I don't want to compete with in that world of everyone selling the same helicopter and uh, or I don't want to compete with trying to sell a helicopter on my site at helicopters.com and then Amazon stocks that same helicopter and undercuts me because I mean Amazon is just eating online retail period and it's a race to the bottom on price and I don't want to play that game with Jeff Bezos. But it sounds like if you go the brand route and you play jiu-jitsu with this 800 pound gorilla you could just Right on its back is like what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a Amazon is a fantastic sales channel, but to me, like they're a valued partner. I mean, they're just 
there's a sales channel for me. They're not competing with me. Yeah. And so how does this affect your marketing for like all your elements brands? Like if you have your own .com, but Amazon's taking so much more sales. Like, I mean, the ROI for investing on your own .com kind of goes down, right? Uh, yes. I mean, yes and no. Definitely like Amazon, like if you search for my brand name, you're going to find that Amazon listing. And at first I thought I would prefer that people buy from my .com because Amazon takes a 15% commission uh, when you sell through Amazon plus the fulfillment fees. Then I realized that it kind of doesn't matter to me because I offer free shipping on my website and Amazon eats the shipping if you order through Amazon. I'm paying a fulfillment fee either way. And then I'm just basically not having to pay for the shipping if they order through Amazon, which is makes it roughly come out in the wash. Plus, I'm not having to handle any of the customer service or, uh, or anything. Oh, I see. Because you're paying fulfillment fee either way, FBA or Shipwire, just the extra Shipping fee you would pay on, say, Shipwire gets eaten by Amazon, and then... I pay Amazon 15%. I'm not paying a shipping fee on that order. God, I can see why they hate Amazon. It's so, it almost sounds really unfair. I mean, because they have the whole logistics system. Obviously, it's their advantage, but, man, being a 3PL... Yeah, it is. Um, so it's great. It's great if you're a seller. It's it's a bummer if you're a fulfillment company trying to make a business. Yeah, but I guess unless you're like a 3PL that does assembly, kind of more high-touch stuff that you were saying where probably Amazon can't even do. Yeah, they won't do that. You know, like Fifth Gear, I mean, they do so much hands-on stuff for me. They're they're like applying labels. They're filling things, you know, that we're doing custom boxing, all kinds of stuff. You just never do at, at a, a guy like Amazon or, or even Shipwire unless you had a lot of volume. Yeah. And so does Amazon only have warehouses in the U.S. or are you familiar with their international stuff? No. So they have, you know, Amazon.co.uk. They have Amazon. I mean, they have Amazon all over the world. Uh, they have FBA all over the world and they solicit me regularly to start selling internationally on Amazon, but I never have. I can't so I can't speak to that firsthand, but I do know they have it. Oh, okay, so they're actually trying to actively expand it into a global kind of reach for your sellers. Too. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's already there, but when, what they're doing is they just, like they see that I'm a successful United States seller, and so they proactively market to me, and they're like, hey, you should expand internationally. Oh, and then just collect more checks and sit back and kind of sip coconuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, so uh, wrapping up with Shipwire versus Amazon, is it a pretty easy process? Like how much time did it take? Was there a lot of like applications you had to go through? Like what was that like if you had to compare? Uh, I would say Amazon was a little easier. Shipwire is also very easy. Amazon, it's like a wizard. It's like click, click, click. It prints the shipping label, and then you slap the shipping label on a box. And it goes to them. I mean, Shipwire has a very nice and easy wizard too. Once you're set up with a Shipwire account, but there were a couple of approvals that I had to get when I signed up with Shipwire. Amazon, it was just a computer. Yeah. So for someone starting out that's having their own brand, would you say they should start with uh, either Shipwire or Amazon, or kind of do both at the same time? Uh, hands down, you should you should start with Shipwire, uh, and here's why. Uh, for one, it's a little bit cheaper. It's significantly cheaper if you're going to be selling on your own website and not on Amazon uh, because of what I mentioned where they charge you the dollar port or multi-channel fee plus a dollar if you don't want an Amazon box. So definitely Shipwire. You'll have much more control over your inventory. You can still sell on Amazon with Shipwire fulfilled. No problem. Uh, Shipwire, it's just, it's just higher touch. Their APIs are way better. Amazon's APIs are a bitch. Uh, they're really complicated. You'll find much fewer people that know how to work with them. It's just harder. Whereas Shipwire has pre-built integrations with Shopify, BigCommerce, I think Volusion, I've, and they've got... Yeah, like you name it, it's like a huge... It's basically like almost everyone. Yeah, I mean, you'll be plug and play with Shipwire instantly. 
Um, whereas if you went with Amazon fulfillment, you would not be, it would be a pain. And so since Shipwire is on its own API, like when you, when they send it out and they have a tracking number, do you need to manually enter that into your big commerce or how do you tell the customer what the tracking number is? It syncs automatically back. That's part of the integrations that Shipwire has with the carts. The tracking numbers also automatically sync back. The big takeaways for me are one, outsource your fulfillment before you think you're ready to. You might think you can fulfill your orders, but it really sucks. I mean, if you're doing one order a week, you probably don't need to. But if you're doing at least, like once you start doing one order per day, which basically makes you have to go to the post office every day, that's the point when you should start talking to Shipwire. It's miserable. And also, as a business owner, value your time. Because uh, you could be paying someone, uh, Tim Ferriss talks about this in the 4-Hour Work Week. In theory, you're the CEO of your business, right? Your time is worth a lot more than the seven fifty an hour you would pay a warehouse worker to pick and pack that order, right? So don't spend your time doing seven fifty an hour work. Spend your time doing high level strategic work to advance your business, um, and let you know and outsource that seven dollars and fifty cents per hour to a shipwire or something. And so one more question, just to give everyone a perspective: uh, When you first started on Amazon, you sent them the first crate. Uh, how long did it take them to actually sell out? Well, that was a while ago. Uh, I sent them. How many did I send them? I think I sent them like 24 and it was, I had been selling, you know, like one on Amazon per day. And I think it immediately went up to three per day. So, I mean, it was out in like a week. Yeah. I was kind of like, holy shit, I'm out already. <laughs> I better send them more. Yeah. So do you still see it trending over 50% like as this year goes on into next year? Uh, it's sort of leveled off in the past couple months. Uh, just, I mean, because my website grows too and Amazon has, has, I really just saw like a massive spike. Uh, and Tara, if you want, I'll send you a graph to include with your post, which is my sales on Amazon. And you can see when I started doing FBA in April of this year, the huge spike. Awesome. Right, we'll look forward to that. So let's just wrap things up. Uh, I know, Bill, you also blog about e-commerce. So where can our listeners uh, find you online? Yeah, uh, find me at rebelceo.com. I do a blog. Uh, I just launched it. Recently, but I do a blog every week uh, on all things about e-commerce. I do a talk about fulfillment. I mentioned I talk about unboxing, talk about conversion rate. I talk about all kinds of things that are involved with, you know, selling a physical product via, via e-commerce. Yeah, it's awesome. We can certainly use more e-commerce blogs in this space. So uh, thank you, Bill, for joining us. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. You guys can find out more about Bill, uh, like you said, at rebelceo.com. And Bill, thanks again for joining the show. And I'll keep, up with, I'll keep in touch with you. And uh, yeah, until next time. Great. Thanks, Terry. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast.